Amen. All right. Uh, every, he did say something about teaching notes, right? Everybody got one? Um, man, I just want to, man, reiterate everything that's been said already. I mean, so I hope, you were, I hope you've been listening already. The Lord's been speaking, even as we're talking about the Word made flesh. You know, God's already been declaring uh, this morning and um, just especially, I just really want to take a moment just to stop and, and pray about, I mean, I always love just to catch things that the Lord's speaking through worship and moderating and um, in the people that declare. And so, you know, I, I just feel like the Lord's obviously saying in this season, um, if you will open up your mouth, he will fill it. And um, obviously, um, Bailey was a demonstration of that this morning, just Get, get in a position and a place. I, felt, I did feel like that, you know, we were talking about last week, adore him. You know, that there is a door open to you in this season to speak and declare. And so uh, I feel like the Lord just reiterated that through the tongue and interpretation. And, and, um, and also just through the worship, you know, I think about, man, just even thinking about the last couple of days, just trying to prepare and Man, even what the testimony that Amy shared, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's not always uh, cake and roses trying to get up here to, to even speak a message or to prepare worship or to uh, do anything that you guys do, even on a normal basis. Some of you uh, go out into the highways and byways of life and you, you experience that same thing. And, and I felt like the Lord this morning just said, I, I need, we all need to come back to that place where I would have despaired unless... Unless, right? There's a big un unless there, right? Thank you for the unlesses of life, right? I would have despaired unless I would have believed that what? I would experience, see, hear the goodness of God in the land of the living, right? So that tells me that I live in a place that sometimes can be despair-y, Unless I get my eyes and, eyes and ears and my senses focused, just as Amy had to do that. Like when she woke up, she had to refocus her attention and her life to the truth, to the word, to him. And it started to change, right? Right? Like it wasn't, man, you know, I, I, she just didn't sit in the despair. She would have despaired, and she would have just kept feeling that unless she would have believed. She started to turn her attention into her believing. So I, I, want, you, I want us to catch that this morning, and, and, and it goes along with kind of the word that I'm sharing with the word that the Lord has just been, is going to, I feel like, sharing throughout this whole season of Adore Him. Um, uh, in case you missed it, you do have only 21 days left to, to get ready. For Christmas, and in honor of, uh, I always do this in honor of Ron Bernard, who used to keep this in tabs every, I think he used to start about February and start reminding us that you had many, many days left, however many days left to Christmas. But, um, but I, you know, I think about, you know, I wrote this down. You, we, we, all, we have an open door to declare his goodness and declare his, the heart of God in this season an open door to engage in divine kingdom conversation with family, friends, colleagues, classmates, what this season is and what it means to you. I feel like he's just going to open doors. Like as you're in engaging in your day-to-day, -day, 
Like you're going to see the open door right before you. Like maybe it's just talking about a Christmas carol like we've been talking about. Or maybe it's uh, you're, you're just engaging in a, in a place of a, of, a, of a hard conversation. He's going to give you opportunity in that. An open door to share the simplicity of the gospel to a, a complex world. And so just be open to that. Um, and I felt I didn't ask last week, but I felt like the Lord wanted to challenge us with a question. In what ways during this Christmas season could my family and I, or is it me and my family? I'm not sure which way. I'm, I'm never good at that grammatical stuff. But my family and I, whichever that is, how could we practically and intentionally fashion, uh, intentionally fashion, adore him to those, uh, I'm sorry, intentionally show uh, our ability to adore him to those around us? You know, how, how could I do that? How could I walk in that? And so last week, um, you know, we just talked about that. And I'm not going to go back all the way back through that. don't have time as far as like uh, the first couple. Um, um, well, I didn't. Where's my clicker? Did I? What did I just do with my? Oh, there it is. <laughs> I was like, I know it's somewhere. Um, you know, so I, I really want to run through, you know, these first um, two or three um, declarations that we spoke about last week, because I don't have time to go uh, reiterate all those. Um, but I, I really feel like we just need to catch again the reality of just this place of adoring him. And last week we talked about really the word made flesh. You know, that declaration of scripture in John 1, you know, the word became flesh. He dwelt among us and we saw his glory Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, the Word becoming flesh. And then if you tag that, uh, we went back and looked at John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let that sink in for just a few seconds, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I just started, man, you know, as I was reading that, I was asking myself the question, am I adoring him as the word made flesh? Like, do I, when I'm reading the word, am I reading it in relationship with him? Or is it duty? Or is it law? Is it the things that, you know, sometimes it can get in that way. Maybe it's better than doing nothing. But I'm just saying, when I am in the word, am I in the word with him? Is it him? Is it, is, am I interacting in this relationship? He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. You came into being through him, through Christ. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And so, that's another, again, we kind of mentioned those two scriptures last week. And, man, just probably huge background of not enough time to even dive into the depths of that. But I just pray that... I just encouraged everybody last week, you know, maybe take John 1 and just read through it every day in this uh, Advent season, adore him season. You know, as you get prepared, you know, there's this facet of the, the Jesus coming as the word made flesh. You know, am I adoring him in that? All right. And then I mentioned that uh, that third one, that obviously the Word is living and active at Hebrews 4.12. We'll look at that just a little bit today, later on. But the Word of God is living and active. He's living and active in our hearts, in our lives. Um, I want to mention the fourth one. We didn't mention it last week. 
Um, let me get back to it. Um, this one, I, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on, but at the same time, I want you, us to understand, he sustains you by his word, right? Like, it's him. He's, he's the one sustaining. And I, and I love this scripture in Matthew 4, 4. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And y'all, we've kind of mentioned this scripture a lot. What's the big word in that scripture right there? The biggest word in that is the smallest word, right? If, right? What, what, is he, what is he talking about there in relationship to if, right? He's talking about our identity, right? If you are the son of God. He's, he's trying to get us to question. And I think about in this day and age that we're living in, the question around identity is becoming so much a bigger question nowadays. When it obviously it doesn't need to be, but there's a reality that the, 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 the enemy comes to, to take out our identity, to take on uh, this place of, of fighting for your identity. And it says, obviously, the tempter came, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And the, the son of God, Jesus himself, makes this declaration. He answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Just another encouragement this morning. What am I living on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? Right? We have to live on bread. That's, he didn't say you can't live on bread. He said don't live on bread alone. He said live, when you live, live on every word that proceeds from my mouth. Right? And if he is the word, then we need, need to be in connection and contact and, and, and hearing. So I just want to mention that because I think that's just another declaration that needs to be heard. Like, all right, Mitch, you know, am, are you living by every word that proceeds from his mouth? Again, this reality is I'm just trying to continue to paint a picture of adoring him. And do I adore his word? Remember, we, last week we talked about what the word adore means. Unfortunately, in our English language, for those that weren't here last week, our English language doesn't do that word justice because we think of adore as a nice little adorable dog or, you know, that couple's, they're adorable. You know, those are the words, that's how we use adorable, right? But when he, when the writer in 1775 said, oh, come, let us adore him, that's not what he was talking about. He's not talking, oh, he's nice little cute. These are nice little sayings. You know, these are, you know, he was saying, no, no. Uh, the word adore means to worship, to praise, to uh, just to exalt the, in, in a heavenly way, to exalt and define that. There was another word I was, I'm blotching it. Um, to, oh, to pay, to pay divine honors to, to honor very highly. That's what the word adore means uh, when they initially penned that word. That's what they meant. That's what they declared over. So when you hear, oh, come, let us adore him, temptation is to kind of say, oh, man, it's a nice little baby in a manger. No, this, man, no, I'm adoring him. As the what? Word made flesh. Right? Him incarnated, coming to visit us, you know, to, to walk among us. And then obviously to what we'll celebrate, hopefully at the end, we're going to get to communion, is to obviously then to, to sacrifice his life for us, right? And so come, let us adore him. That's, 
That's what I'm pushing us to do. So when I think about living off every word that proceeds from his mouth, you know, do I adore the declarations, what he says, and what, he's, what he's speaking, and what he has already spoken through the Logos, the written word. And so that's just another declaration. But I really wanted to get to this week um, really just talking about Hebrews, right? Hebrews is kind of interesting because I love this last um, declaration in, um, that I have up on that first part. He up, uh, so he is the word made flesh. He was from the beginning. The word is with God. The word was God. He is living and active, and he sustains us by his word. That's what we've already spoken. But I really want to talk about how he upholds us by his word. Hebrews 1, 3, and it was just kind of interesting as I began to read that, the, the, the other part of this message came about. Because when I started reading, I just started reading through Hebrews, and I noticed in chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5, he speaks to a, a reason, a challenge to actually receiving and hearing him as the word. And so we're just going to move through the, the book of Hebrews uh, real quick this morning. But I wanted to kind of start off in this Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And I love this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways. So God's always been speaking. He's always been speaking. He's never, you know, there's, there's a facet. Maybe there were some points in history that there wasn't a ton of prophetic de declaration, but he's always been speaking. through. The, and, and I love that. Through many portions and in many ways. We don't, I don't have time to go through all of those. I think Jared reiterated those one week, about maybe a couple months ago, but um, he speaks, right? But I love it in verse 2. It, it, it speaks something pretty declarative. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, in Jesus. So, of course, the question that my logical brain comes, am I hearing what he is speaking? Right? Am I in a position to hear what he's speaking? Because that's the most important part. And, and we'll look through several times later on that you can actually hear the word of God and it cannot profit you. It's, it's, there's an ability to do that. And so there's this facet that I want to be, not. am I hearing and then what am I doing with the hearing? Um, and so that's what we're going to be kind of going through today in Hebrews 1. So in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. And then he's going to just describe his, his son. And that's, that's what I, I love, I want to talk about today. Look at how he describes Jesus in these next four statements. Super powerful. Um, just let him, like, sink in. Uh, the first one, in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. It's all his. You're his. Right? The world, everything's his. You know, and I think, you know, in this day and age where everything's pushing us to be so inward and self and, you know, finding ourselves and this, that, and the other, and, and there's no, there's, there's, you, you need to self-care. That is important. But just make sure that in that self-care that you don't become inward selfish and the, to the place where I am not able to understand this is his like it's all his you know I, I, I love um, I love what um, 
Ephesians, and Paul says in Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. That's important, but listen to this next statement. I don't have it up there, but you can, Ephesians 1.18 if you're taking notes. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Like his inheritance, it's you. Like that's what this life is all about, you and him. And his inheritance is you. Like I believe that's what, <laughs> he's inheriting a family. He's inheriting. And so the biggest thing, I mean, I think the most tragic thing is that if, if he's walking with us and I'm not engaging and hearing him as he is, the word of God, listen, hearing him as he's speaking, hearing, hearing him as he's declaring. Uh, but just to understand that he's the heir of all things. Like this is his church. This is his. It's his. Like it's not mine. It's not anybody's in here. It's his. It's his bride. Right? And so just keep that perspective in mind. The next statement I love, through whom also he made the world. Everything was created. You were created. Everything was created uh, through him. Uh, and, and the Lord challenged me, and I'm, I'm pretty good about adoring his creation. I, I mean, I, I, I am one of those guys. I, like, I will purposely go out to the Blue Ridge Parkway and just sit at one of the overlooks. I love that. Anybody have an overlooker? Anybody like that? Uh, I remember I was, I was on my way to um, Living Waters, uh, and I was, I'm kind of one of those also weird guys that when I hit the GPS, Anybody one of these guys? You hit the GPS and you see that time that got started. It says you will arrive at four hours later. Now the problem is that now that's my goal. Like that's, I got to get there. I got to beat that, really. That's, that's my goal is to beat that time. Yes. And it was amazing. So for some reason, if, you, if you've ever been to Living Waters, most of the time it takes you through Asheville. Well, this one, the GPS, I wasn't paying attention, took me off the road and went up the mountain the back way because it was a little quicker through the parkway and so I had a decision to make because it was sunset time and I had a decision to make am I going to keep the time frame I could have beat my record I think time frame getting to living waters but I think I stopped at the next seven overlooks to see the sunset and take a picture at every sun sunset you know that I could get because I, I do the fact that I, I think by adoring his creation, we adore him. But the, more, the bigger challenge is then, am I also going to adore the creation of God that is standing or maybe in this situation sitting before me? Do I take opportunities to adore him in that? That's another big question, right? Got quiet all of a sudden. Why, why, why do you get quiet? Y'all were all smiling when I was talking about that creation. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's harder, not looking at anybody, you know, sometimes it's harder to enjoy this creation, right? To enjoy the creation that's before us, right? Am I enjoying his creation? He made all things. Am I adoring what he created? Am I adoring even the quirkiness of other people's lives or the quirkiness of, of, of how things are done or this, that, and the other? So, you know, just really asking the Lord to help appreciate one another uh, in that uh, do I endure adore the creation him as creator and, and, and his creation so that's another one look at the next statement he makes about Jesus Jesus is the radiance of God's glory 
I love that word radiance. If you go back and look at it into the Greek, it means reflected brightness. Like declaring of Christ that he perfectly reflects the majesty and glory of God. That's who Jesus is. Am I adoring him as that? Like, man, he is the radiance of God's glory. You know, um, am, I, am I walking in that? I love, you know, you think about, you know, if we look at Jesus, you know, obviously we've seen a perfect reflection of the Father's glory. You know, when he told Philip in John 14, I don't, I don't have this one up there either, but he said, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And then he makes this statement, have I been with you so long and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so I was just thinking about that as we're going into the season of adore him. Man, I, I want to see him. I want to I see the radiance of his glory. I want to see him as he is, right? Um, and you know, I don't want to be in that position where he asked me that question. Mitch, have I been with you so long? Right? Have I been with you so long and yet you have not come to know me? Like when you know me, you know the Father. You know, that's just that challenge in us. And, and, I, and, the, and the next statement I love, even, it's just even better. It gets even better. He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. That's why I always tell people, if you want, if, especially when they get saved, if you want to get to know Jesus, you know, I encourage them to read. Probably I tell them to read the book of John first. And I just say, just read through it and f read about Jesus because he is reflecting who God is. He's, re he's a reflection of the word. He is the word made flesh. He is God in the flesh. And so find that representation, exact representation of it. Um, you know, that, that is that, it's kind of interesting, that Greek word for exact representation is only found that one spot. And it's the word, I will just spell it, C-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R. -E now, if you switch that, that's probably where our word character comes from. But it's, I don't know how you say it in the Greek officially, but C-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R, -E character. And that word is used that one time, the exact image or expression a marked likeness, a precise reproduction in every respect. Uh, a facsimile. What was it? Facsimile. I can't even say it. I had to ask Leah that one. <laughs> My mathematical mind does not know all those nice long uh, words, but uh, facsimile, right? That, I looked up that word, too. It's an exact copy, right? It's exactly who he is. Like, what, who Jesus was is a reflection of exactly what the Father is. And that's why I, when I look at Jesus, I can, I can believe that I am going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Because I've seen Him. Right? When I've seen Him, I've seen the Father. So I just want to continue to encourage you in that. And I, and I spoke this scripture last week kind of at the end, but I want to reiterate it. First uh, John 3. Beloved, I think I have that one. Oh, I did have that one. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, you will be like him. When he comes, when Jesus comes, you're going to be like him. Anybody excited about that? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. But 
I'm kind of, I, I do get, I'm kind of that competitive guy in some forms or fashions, volleyball, things like that. Uh, board games. <laughs> what else? Cards, driving, you know, all those things. Uh, <laughs> but I am competitive. Like, I don't want to wait till he comes to become like him. Not, not to become God. Obviously, let me just make that reiterance. I'm not going to become God. He just says that if I see him as he is, I will what? Be like him, right? We will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So if you're looking to grow, if you're looking to mature in your life, get before Jesus and look and see who he is. Get in his word. Allow the word made flesh to speak into you so that what? You will become what? Like Right? That's the goal. That's the desire. So you should think maybe there's moments where I'm like, okay, Mitch, you're not being like him to your wife. What are you not doing? I'm not seeing him. Not seeing him maybe in her as a creation of God. I might not be seeing him and being able to respond to him out of the depths of who he is, not out of the maybe the cruddiness that I've been walking in in the moment. You know, there's this facet that God wants us in that place to see him and become like him as he is. And so I, I just want to encourage us uh, in that. So the last thing, the last statement that he makes, and this is what I want to kind of focus the rest of the attention on. I love this statement. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Um, anybody know what the definition of all is? All right, great. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> all means all things. So think about it in this aspect. If, if I'm in this place of not feeling like I'm being upheld, you know, maybe there's this fast that I'm not seeing him as he is, as the word. Because he upholds all things by his word. So important, again, not to get into a place where I'm just religious about it, even though maybe that, again, it, just getting into the Word, you know, as a habit is good, right? Get in a habit of getting in the Word. But my heart is that you transition, that it's not a habit. It, it becomes a habit just because you're doing it because you love it. But there's this facet that it becomes this relational facet of your life because you know as I get into the Word, He's upholding me. He's un undergird. I love the word to uphold means to bear up, to keep from falling, to, to, to walk with. And, and that word there, you know, there's two words in the Greek for, for word, the word word. There's logos, which is the written word. There's rhema, the, the spoken word. Obviously, there's a, you could do a whole teaching on, on both of those. And we've heard off and on throughout the years, we've heard teachings on those. But this word is rhema. So I think about this like God is speaking and he is upholding all things by the power of his word. I think about that as the earth, the gravity, I mean, everything out there, I mean, it just amazes me when you can get out into the science of it. Just, I really believe it comes down to this scripture. <laughs> he's upholding it. Like he's, he is upholding the, na the, the, the earth, the, the, uh, the planets, the the galaxies, he's upholding it by the word of his power. 
there's some other scriptures I don't have time to go into that kind of declare that as well. But I just encourage us, his word is powerful. Like, am I adoring him as the word? Am I adoring the word of God? Um, and obviously the spoken, spoken word of God kind of has many forms. It can be revelation in written form as the Lord speaks out a, a word. I just wrote these, a prophetic declaration. could be a tongue and interpretation like we heard today. Um, it could be a word of knowledge, him speaking through a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, many times while you're in prayer or quiet times, you're spending time with him, you're hearing the Lord speaking into you. Um, and obviously this isn't a message on hearing as much as it is really adoring the word. But I really, I really since I need to speak this, like if I'm going to be, if we're going to be a church that's open to hear, like, and I want each one of you, <laughs> my heart is that each one of you hears the rhema, of the spoken, the declaring, the Logos word of God, like who he is that you're hearing. Like, I, obviously, I know each of us can get the Bible out and read it, but I'm even praying that you hear it. Like, you hear it in your spirit. You hear what God's saying. He's speaking. He's declaring. And, and because of that, I think we always have to be in a place that we're also, if I'm going to, I wrote this down, um, because if we all hear in part, I, I ha also have to be willing to submit myself to what I hear, Right? If we're going to be a hearing church, you have to also be a submitting church to walk with one another in it. Um, and you're like, well, mate, you know, Mitch, where do you get that? And I think, man, one of the words that God's been speaking to me so much is out of this Galatians 2. I might have put it up there. Let's see if I did. Yeah, look at this. This is Paul, okay? If, if anybody, personally, if I had said, if anybody probably did, did not need to submit themselves to anybody, maybe it was Paul, right? He... He had every, he, he, he just was, you know, you go read through that one scripture where he's like, you know, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, if anybody could say it, I said it better. You know, whatever he said, he said, but he always came back to, to Jesus. But look at this. Then after an interval of 14 years, right? This is, this is him operating 14 years. 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also. It was because of a revelation that I went up, and I what? What's the big word there? I submitted to them the gospel which I preach. Think about that. This is Paul. Like, I think, man, he had it all together. He wrote, <laughs> wrote books of the Bible, obviously. And here he is 14 years into it, and he's like, I need to submit myself to people. I'm hearing something, and I want to submit my hearing of the gospel to these other men and women in my life. He, and he says, I submitted to them the gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but I did so in private to those of a reputation for fear that I might be running in vain. Talk about humility. Like, are we in a place where, hey, I'm hearing, but I want to hear what you're hearing. I want to hear what the Lord's hearing. I want to hear what we're, what we're hearing. Am I willing just to submit that and say, man, I'm just, I'm willing to submit my, my heart and my hearing, right? And so if we're going to be a hearing church, I also want us to be a submitting church. Like, we're willing, even as Paul said, man, I, I am not the end all. I want to make sure the gospel I'm sharing I'm sharing. So that was anyway, that was a little commercial in there. But I, I do want us to be in that, in that place where we're willing to submit, even that Ephesians 5.21, submit one to another. 
in the fear of Christ, that's what, or fear of the Lord, that's what it says in Ephesians 5. Uh, so I, I want to really spend the last few minutes talking about these last four. And the last four are, as I was reading through Hebrews, I just started gathering every chapter, two, three, four, and five, after he makes this declaration that he upholds all things by his word, the next five chapters he's going to spend talking to you and I about the fact that of hindrances to that word being received, being adored, being, you know, in this place of recognizing, receiving it and being able to walk in it in our lives. Right. So the first one there um, in Hebrews two, let's look at this one for this reason. You know, this is right after chapter one. Chapter one is all about what we just read, and then he's talking about Jesus as he is, like he's, you know, all these things. And then, then it says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have, what? Heard. Why? Why do you need to pay much a close attention to what you have heard? Because you will, what, have a tendency to, that we do not drift away from it. So that we do not drift away for, from it. And, um, you know, I think about, um, this is just, uh, the, you know, I just wrote, the problem with drifting is you kind of, if you drift away from the word, you know, think about the, what that means. Like, if I drift away from the word of God, what, what does that look like? Paint a picture in your mind. What, what does it look like for you? You know, you know I think from, for me that I begin to drift out here and, and I begin to embrace what everything else is saying, what my circumstances say, what, you know, what, what people say, what it looks like on paper, you know, what it looks like in my own life. That, that's what I start. When I start getting away from what he has declared, I begin to find myself listening to what I'm either declaring to myself, anybody their worst enemy, any like me sometimes, right? You know, I begin to hear what I'm saying. I begin to hear what uh, my circumstances say. You know, and so I, I need to, I don't want to be drifting away from it. And, and also you begin drifting into violation. Like you begin to drift away from violating and you begin to, you know, I think about, you know, scriptures like, you know, where, where there is no vision, my people, what, cast off restraint. So even when I don't have vision of him as the word, I begin to cast off truth. I begin to, maybe not in a general sense, I think we all hold to some form of truth, but I think in some ways it will begin to little bits and pieces. Like, you know, it's the little foxes in, in Song of Solomon. It says it's the little foxes that try to ruin the vineyard, right? Catch the little foxes, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyard. And so we, if we start, if we don't pay close attention, that's what it does. It'll start pulling us away from it. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, I'm one of I'll just one of my bad um, attributes in driving, which Leah doesn't always. She doesn't. She just drives perfectly, so that's the problem. <laughs> Can I just say that? <laughs> the whole problem with her is she just drives perfectly. So, and when I get in the driver's seat, it, it's never gonna be enough for perfect. But anyway, one of my less perfect things is that I tend to be a drifter. Anybody? Any drifters in here? You kind of just come to the stop sign and it's a drift. It's not a stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop. Stop is 
I can still remember uh, when I lived over at the greenhouse, you know, I would go the back way to Roanoke Street and you come back down by the uh, FedEx place. And I was super, I was, I was supposed to meet my, uh, back, back in the day I was doing the paper, the paper run. Um, and I was supposed to be meeting my boss for some reason. And I was already late, so I came down to the stop and looked left, and I didn't, I never even drifted. I just never stopped, probably, but I drifted right on through that, and as soon as I drifted right through that, I am looking straight at a cop coming right, <laughs> like, like right at me. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. So, of course, uh, he pulled me over on that one. <laughs> There's another, that's, that's even a funnier story once it gets into the court, but anyway. <laughs> no, it's funny. I went to the, I went up to the office, and I was like, you know, me and my, uh, I don't want to pay this fine. I was like, and I asked the lady, <laughs> there was no coupon in, at court. Uh, I asked the lady, I said, how many times does somebody get off of one of these things if they just go explain what was happening? I was late, you know, this, that, and the other. She's like, oh, you know, sometimes, I mean, she's, she, was, she wasn't discouraging of it. She just said, you know, I think, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, and I just decided at that moment, I think I'm going to go. <laughs> and so when I got into court, I'm sitting there, and you know, I got, I have all this written out, you know, what I'm going to say to the thing. And this girl gets up right in front of me, like she's got, she's got a DUI. And she says, like, she gives, like, three pages of amazing stuff that she did, like, to better herself. Like, and the, basically the judge said, all right, thank you. And he just said, uh, you're charged with what, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> I'm just saying guilty. Done it, did it, just give me, give me whatever I'm doing. And it was so funny. I get up there, and you know, I get up there, and I see the, the court guy. He's rummaging around in his papers, and all of a sudden, he gets up back up to the judge and says, Judge, I didn't know Mr. Simonis was on my court case today. And she's like, all right, you're good. See you later. I was like, What? <laughs> Are you serious? Grace of God. Oh, my gosh. That was, the mer that was the mercy of God, for sure. Mercy. So much mercy in that. But back to the story, I am a drifter. Now, the problem is drifting can what? Get you in trouble. It's not super illegal, right? Well, <laughs> It's kind of like back in, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, ugh, it's kind of this great thing. Yeah. It's kind of like when I used to work with youth and they would be like, well, it isn't that bad. I'm like, well, what did you just say? You said it was bad. It just wasn't that bad, right? So, you know, it's not super illegal, but it's still illegal, right? I can't say that I've gotten into my brain not to do it. Everybody that's learning to drive, listen to me. Stop. <laughs> stop signs or stop, right? Close your ears for this message. But anyway, I, I share that because drifting can get you into trouble, right? Thankfully, I had the mercy of God to get out of that one, but it, it, it was, I, I, I don't suggest that. I don't suggest trying to get back through uh, all that. But for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have seen, that we do not drift away from it. And one of the things, I, let's see if I, yeah, 
Look at a couple scriptures past this. It says, God also testifying with them both by signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. And I just felt like the Lord, I just didn't have time to run through all the scriptures, but I did feel like the Lord was saying, when we drift from his word, then I begin to drift from the responses to his word. Right? Like when I drift from his word, then I, him as the word, him who he is, then I began to drift away from maybe signs, miracles, wonders that God wants to impart in me and through me. Like if I'm not in paying attention, what if, I, what if God's giving me a word of knowledge for someone? Can he do it through someone else? Yeah. But maybe he's wanting to give it through you. Tongue interpretation, you know, that's, that's always a hard thing about tongue interpretation. It, it, there's risk in both, you know, risk in the person that speaks the tongue, and then there's risk that, man, there's somebody out there that's hearing, that's listening, and can speak the interpretation. And, and, and thankfully, we have a body that's continuing to participate in that and walking in that. And so there's this facet, it's super critical, because I, I want, per, in my personal life, and in the corporate body, I want God to testify to his word, right? He testifies to his word by signs, wonders, and miracles. And we're going to continue to believe that and, and hold him to it because that's what he said he would do. Like, I'm not, that's not me being, oh, my gosh, you've got to have these. It's like that's what he wants to do. He wants to testify to his word, all right? Um. So anyway, challenge is to make sure we aren't drifting from adoring him and his word. That's the first one. Second one, um, Hebrews 3. If you go into the next chapter, you start reading through chapter 3, and he starts uh, speaking these declarations from the Old Testament. And look what he picked out, all right? In Hebrews 3, 7, and 8, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, if you hear his voice, don't do what? Don't harden your hearts as when they provoke me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, right? He was speaking to them back in that day, right? But because of a hardness of heart, they cut themselves off, and then it ends up you're out in the wilderness still, right? Hebrews three fourteen through 15, a couple scriptures down. For we have, been, for we have become partakers of Christ if... We hold fast the beginning of our insurance from the end, right? So I, th I think about that. I want, anybody want to partake of Christ? I mean, that just sounds good, right? Like if I want to be a partaker of Christ, there's a, there's a facet of I have to hold what? It says, did I, did I, sorry, I didn't, um, oops. Hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, what? Do not harden your heart. And then if you go into chapter 4, he fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as he has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. When God says something three times within 20 verses, do you think you should... Maybe listen, <laughs> maybe he means it, maybe it's super important, right? So the, the writer of Hebrews here, you know, just declares into us, there's a facet that what's going to try to cut us off from adoring him is maybe hard, hardened areas of our heart, right? And so that's just something to evaluate in, our, in, your, in your life. 
Am I, am I able to adore him? Uh, am I able to express that adoration to him? And, and maybe get back into that place of, maybe I haven't. Maybe this past season has tried to harden my heart. I mean, I think for a lot of, you know, we've talked about it the last three or four or five years. It hasn't been easy for anyone. And so in seasons, I think of, you know, losses, you know, like losing my dad. And some, some of you have lost uh, members of your family or friends. I mean, it's those seasons, sometimes the enemy can try to come in and just speak things into us. And we end up kind of hardening our hearts to the Lord or hardening our hearts to one another or hardening our hearts to just life. And the Lord wants to begin to go back in and really soften those places up. Because you, know, you think about ground that you want to go plant a seed in. Anybody gardeners in here? A few, right? Do you want to go throw seed on like really hard ground on top? Just throw it on top? Anybody going to do that? Anybody expecting produce from that? Anybody expecting anything to grow out of that? No. It has, you know, it needs to be soft. Why? So they can receive it and, and, and grow. And so, you know, just in that place that God wants to begin to make sure uh, that, um, that we're... And the hard part is that really it leads to, the, if you read on down, well, the most, one of the most important parts right after, sorry, um, this Hebrews 4-7 you know, right down the way, he says, for the word of God is living and active, right? Today, don't harden your heart against the word because it's living. It's active. It's supposed to live within you. <laughs> it's supposed to, the seed of the word of God is supposed to go in and that soft, all those soft areas of our heart and then just produce fruit galore. Um, but the hard part is that in Hebrews 3.19, the result of it is that so we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. You know, hardening of a heart tries to get us to a place of unbelief. Not being able to believe. Not that you don't believe in God. I mean, I, I think most of us, you know, if you don't know God, and I'm praying today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Uh, allow that, that heart to, to grow the, the seed of salvation today. Uh, and I think for most of us, if I look around in here, I'm pretty s safe to say that none of us are like, man, I don't believe in God. I, and, you know, the season hasn't gotten us to that point. But I am a little bit worried that some of the seasons have gotten us to a place of I, kind of almost kind of a little bit of what um, Amy was sharing this morning. I'm, I'm not sure you're with me. Is, is that just a seed of unbelief? I mean, it was in her, her, her life. It was just a tiny little seed. I don't know if you're with me. And the seed that was planted in her heart was when Jesus, <laughs> the rhema word of God, came and said, I am with you, right? Isn't that what, am I remembering that correctly? She received the spoken word of God into her life, and it did what? It transformed, and I felt like we got to feel that in her this morning. And so that's why I'm just encouraging each of us in that, because the enemy wants to get us into unbelief. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, just to, I don't know if I believe, but really not, I don't know if I believe in God. It's more, I don't know if he's with me. I don't know if he's, she's for me. I don't know, you know, all these little, little small seeds that begin to grow, the weeds <laughs> tries to grow alongside that word. So I want to encourage you in that. 
um, break up that fallow ground, as the, the word says it. Um, and so, you know, and I think about the, the last season of my life, that's the, that rhema word of God is what really brought freedom and life to me. All right, third, third thing. I want to get through these two and so we can take communion together. Uh, Hebrews 4.1, I love this. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, anyone of you may seem to have come short of it. All right, that is like my number one desire not for the body of Christ. As a pastoral person, I don't want to see the body come short in anything. Like, I, want us to, I want us to see the fullness of everything that God has for us. So he's saying there's a promise that remains, but somehow I fall short of it. Okay, how do, you do, how do we do that? How do you fall short of a promise that God has made? For indeed we had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not what? United with faith. Right? Putting faith to the word that she got. And even just going back to Amy, she had to put faith. She heard, I'm with you. Now, she can say, I don't think so. She could have said that. I don't think so. Do you think it would have had a, a, a remarkable difference in her heart and thought and attitude? Yeah. But she, um, she applied faith to it. She's like, oh, yes, Lord, you are with me. You are with me. And that's how she got to a place where she could move towards the day instead of, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Um, but I, I think about, you know, this. It's just a s- super important because there's a promise. There's promises awaiting to be fulfilled. And I don't want any of us to fall short, right? I, I want any, any signs of, man, I've missed it or I've come up short. I think... I think that's something that the Lord wants to break off the body of Christ. Like, man, always, always having this man of coming up short or I'm missing it or this, that, and the other. But being in sync and in tune with the Lord empowers that. Um, but I didn't unite it with faith. I kind of thought, um, yeah, it's kind of like trying to put two Oreo cookies. You know, you got an Oreo cookies. If you don't have that white in the middle, anybody like Oreos? I just this is the only thing this is the only thing that came to my mind real quick. It's kind of like two Oreo cookies with no white in the middle, like no, the white frosting. Like you put the cookies together, what's happening? They're not they're gonna fall apart, right? It, 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 it doesn't even stick, right? The only reason that Oreo cookie is so amazingly good is, is that it has been united in faith, right? <laughs> right. The uniting with faith makes the Word of God stick in our lives. Like, it, it allows it to not just fall off of deaf ears, right? Because all of, this is what they said, the good news was preached to them. You can have good news preached and not receive it. So that's what I'm saying. I've got to be in this facet of, all right, I need to unite it with faith. Um, I, was, I was hoping... Um, Lou would be here. Lou really encouraged me, and I, and I just brought it back to my memory. memory. Lou encouraged me with a word. He sent me a word, but he was talking about the word amen and how powerful it is. And you think about the word amen is really the root, if you, if I, I didn't put it up there, but the root word for amen is trust and believe, faith. I mean, that's our Old Testament declaration of faith is trust and believe. You don't see 
the word faith in the Old Testament. I mean, yeah, in the Old Testament. It's a Greek term. But the words, the words that mean faith in the Old Testament are trust and believe. We don't have a whole lot of time to go back through all that. But uh, aman, which you've heard before, to believe, the word amen, that's the root word. So when you're speaking the amen, you're saying, I believe that. Yes. I am saying the yes to that. And I felt like that, that's what this adoring him is. It's, I'm saying yes to who he is. I'm speaking the yes and amen to all who he is. Yes, 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 that's who you are. Wonderful counselor, yes. Prince of peace, yes. Mighty God. There's something else in there I forgot. But yes, yes, that's who you are. <laughs> that's, gonna, oh, that's not good. Um, that's who you are. And I, this is why Paul spoke in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. It says, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. Like, it takes work. Like, it takes work to say yes. Sometimes that yes is a lot harder than saying no. And so I just encourage us in that place um, to, to make that declaration. You know, to, be ex to exercising our believing, to adore the word of God so much that when we hear the word, we say yes to it. We say the yes and amen. All right, the fourth challenge is this last one. Hebrews 5, 4, 11 through 14. Is it going? I'll read it. All right, listen to this. Verse 11. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Again, chapter 2, 3, 4, now we're in 5. He's going to say, once again, something that has to do with hearing. Concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing right and this is one probably that worries me probably most about kind of the body of christ as a whole because um, i think in this atmosphere we we, we kind of entered into this where the nation is kind of it's on an attack in relationship to morality god-given marriage you know think about the, the the attack on sexual identity you know um and and the value of life in a womb just every attack in relationship to christian value like the word of god values and, and the, that the problem is, is that if the church is dull in their hearing, they might not be able to appropriate and, and be able to stand and, and declare what God's saying back into those situations. Because we need to hear what God's saying into those situations and declaring. And, and we need to be uh, uh, understanding that as leadership and everything. So I, I, I'm, I'm praying that even for ourselves as we, as we hear um, but I, I, I said, I'm afraid we've, sometimes I'm guilty of this. I, I, I get my favorite news station or podcast or favorite writer. And what happens is that very slowly I dull myself to hearing him. I'm locked into hearing what everybody else is saying, but I'm not locked into what he's saying. Like if I'm spending more time with all these other exterior people speaking into the situation into my life, into the declaration of what's going on, and I'm not allowing him, the word of God, God made flesh to speak into it. I really believe, unfortunately, we begin to dull our ears. And y'all remember the whole story about me dull, you know, living in uh, my first two, our first two uh, situations where we lived were right beside, down in Cambria, right beside the railroad tracks. And then our second stint, our second year of marriage, we lived 50 feet, or sorry, 50 yards 
from a railroad crossing, two of them, in Big Stone Gap, where they blew the horn all the way through there, right? And so there's this facet that, you know, people would come over and they're, especially like either at Cambria when, you know, it's just rummaging right down the line. I mean, it's so loud in there, but you just start dulling your ears to it, right? I started dulling my ears to all those horns, and people come over and like, how can you sleep? I'm like, oh, I never hear them anymore. I don't even, I don't even know that they've gone through. Why? Because I, I just deem it unimportant. I deem it unnecessary. And so there's this facet that's calling us back, really calling us back to adoring him and adoring his word. Um, being kind of like those people that I put that last call there, um, and if y'all can, if y'all can get that uh, song ready, kind of that Acts 17. I do want to say this. Think about this. This, unfortunately, the result of being dull is this. For both, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need for someone to teach you. You have come to need milk. Everyone who partakes of the milk is not accustomed to the what word. Of righteousness, and so there's this facet that I can go end up going backwards. I don't want that for our body. I don't want that for myself. I don't want to go backwards. But the good thing about if you if you are in this place of just continuing to sharpen your adoration of the word, it says this: solid food is the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And we need that in this day and age, because you also remember they say in the end times they'll start calling good evil and evil good, right? I mean, that's just the f- nature of the situation in our world. But we need to make sure as the children and kingdom of God, we're calling good good, and we're calling evil evil. And we're able to stand in that, in a, in a kingdom Christian godly way, but we can stand and say, no, good is good. No, this is evil. This is not kingdom. This is not life. And so we want to be in that. And we want to be those noble-minded people, Acts 17, 11. Now those were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they what? They received the word with what? Somberness. They received the word with, man, i got to get in the word again today. No, they received the word with what? Eagerness. And then they were like, man, that was a good word, Ted. But now I'm going to go chew it with the Lord. I'm going to go back and get into the Lord. Am I going back and interacting with him? Because he says, I'm going to go back and examine the scriptures. I'm going to go back and get into the Logos word of the God. I'm going to get back into who he is and say, was that a declaration of his goodness and kingdom? And be able to, he, they were more noble-minded. Remember, noble means that you receive yourself as what? Nobility. Right? You see that. Like, when, when I'm receiving and adoring him, I'm receiving that place of nobility and that place of, man, no, I'm, I don't have worldly-mindedness. I have noble-mindedness of, of him and his kingdom. 